Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I just blank now what? I'm Jessica Stevens, your host. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another Now What Wednesday. Today is the final episode of our intro month of season five. And oh my goodness, I loved every single one of these episodes this month. It was such fire. I wanted to start season five off with a bang, and I think I com- I achieved that goal. And today's episode is going to wrap that up for us. And wowzers, this episode is so amazing. I met with Catherine, and she and I had a really great conversation about the fact that she opened up her marriage. And I love this conversation so much because speaking with Catherine and learning about her lifestyle reminded me how important it is for us to have conversations and dialogue with people who live very differently from ourselves. Because the more we know about how other people live and their choices and and their desires makes us much more open to being respectful and appreciative of other people and just how they live and even if it's different from our own you know never in a million years would I ever consider opening up my marriage but I'm glad that I got to learn about Catherine and her decision that she made with her husband to do that for themselves because it's a whole other lifestyle that I know nothing about and so I was grateful to learn more about it. So without further ado, let's learn about Catherine and get to this episode. Catherine is a poet and author of the collection Love Is Not Pie, variations on a monogamish theme. Love Is Not Pie is a personal exploration navigating the world of consensual non-monogamy and polyamory. This collection of poems, erotic, yearning, sweet, and angry, was written by Catherine to and about her two beloved men over the course of several years. Collected here for the first time, the original poems are woven together with new pieces that provide context for how the story unfolded, how the love affair ended, and why. Catherine wrote this poetry collection after her own experience of embracing radical honesty in her marriage when she extended herself into the realm of non-traditional relationships. She has spent nearly 25 years exploring personal growth, self-awareness, self-acceptance, bringing that knowledge to her poetry, sharing what it feels like to be fully embodied, fully yourself, and fully expressed in this limited world. Catherine is a huge fan of opera, jazz, and of course poetry, reading the works of others as well as creating her own. When she's not working or writing, she can be found enjoying live music, movies, good food and drinks, and hanging out with her dear husband, David, and a plethora of chosen family and good friends. So without further ado, let's get to the Now What? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, 
Now what? Hey friends, have you ever had that I just feel so bloated now what moment? <laughs> Me too, and that's when I reach for my Greens Gut Glow Drink. Yep, I can sip my way to healthier looking skin, support my digestive system, and get an extra scoop of greens all in one bundle that helps me de-bloat. This nutritious trinity includes three of my favorite Arbon nutrition products, Be Well Superfood Greens, Gut Health Digestion and Microbiome Support, and Skin Elixir Collagen Support. I drink this every day. The greens, just one scoop of this versatile vegan superfood powder, delivers a blend of 36 fruits and vegetables in each serving for a boost of greens, featuring fiber, photonutrients, along with a natural deep green color courtesy of blue-green algae derived from spirulina, chlorelia, wheatgrass, and barleygrass. Just one scoop provides me with the benefits of eating a full color spectrum of fruits and vegetables. Minding my gut's microbiome is a must, and this delicate balance of bacteria helps support favorable gut flora. Designed to support the benefits of a healthy diet, this plant-powered natural health product mixes easily with water, so its blend of probiotics and enzymes can work synergistically with my body to help support gastrointestinal health. Its ingredients include inulin from chicory root and 3 billion CFUs of Bacillus coagulant probiotics plus enzymes that act as a digestive aid. This natural health product helps support favorable gut flora while helping to digest proteins and contains ginger, which traditionally used in herbal medicine to help relieve digestive upset. For the glow, I'm sipping my way to healthier looking skin. This acai or dragon fruit flavored vegan natural health product features antioxidant vitamin C to help in collagen formation to maximize healthy bones, cartilage, teeth, and gums, silicone and biotin to support healthy hair, skin, and nails, and a blend of sea buckthorn fruit extract, pine bark extract, and vitamin C for antioxidants. This vegan natural health product provides beneficial ingredients for my skin, hair, and nails. So head to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and use promo code ARBON10 to get 10% off your Greens Gut Glow Bundle. That's jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and promo code ARBON10 gets you 10% off. Or just click the link in the show notes and get your Greens Gut Glow Bundle all in one click. Well, hello, Catherine. Hello, Jessica. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so, 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 so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm not going to lie. You know, the first time you and I connected and we had a, like a brief, like guest to know you call mm-hmm. and I learned a little bit about you. I'm like, oh, cannot wait to jump into this story. And it's because this is something that is so outside of my realm of world. And I am the kind of person who loves to have conversations with people who have a life that is completely different from mine. Because I want to, I want to know what, what, what is that like? Like what is, what's going on? And, and I'm going to say your life is completely different from mine. Um, <laughs> At least in this realm. In this, in this piece. In yeah. This we have realm. a lot in common, but in this piece of mm-hmm. life, your life is very different from mine. So I'm mm-hmm. so excited to jump in to this episode and talk about, you know, 
you opening up your marriage and having an open marriage because wowzers again that is something that is like not even a thought in my brain but before we do that obviously i just read your wonderful bio to everybody packed full of great stuff but i always love for guests to start off each show with telling the audience something about themselves that they want people to know something that they're not going to find in your bio like what is it like you would really love people to actually know about Catherine? Well, I think that I am determined to live my life like a walking permission slip. Oh. Meaning that I'm choosing to go as fully and completely and as deeply into the human experience as I possibly can, just because that's fun and it's like, if I can do it, you can do it. And what I'm choosing to do might not be what you're choosing to do, but I want mm-hmm. you to choose what you want to do and, and go do it. So when I say permission slip, it's like, I give you permission, not that you need permission, but sometimes we need permission. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we right. need to like, just yeah. be like told it's okay. Go do it's that. Okay. You're like, Oh, it's that okay. was an option. Right. It's like, I didn't know that was an option. And so that's how I feel about this book and how I feel about the speaking on it. And even in my work, with my clients, you know, in my day job, it's about being a fully expressed person. Cause if you've got, if whatever you believe spiritually, either this is the one go round or it's one of many, or it's a lesson or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to be fully enrolled? So that's how, that's how I feel. I think that's something that is important. Live like a permission slip. I love it. I love it. Live like a permission set feel. That's a, that's a tweetable. That's pattern. a t-shirt. <laughs> that, that's a t-shirt. That's a tweetable. Okay. So let's jump right into your story because okay. there, I am sure are many, many layers to it. So you are, you're talking about the fact that you decided to open up your marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you rewind the tape to talk a little bit about meeting? Like, you know, what was your dating life like? How did you meet your husband? And then You're going to take us into the decision and decide to open it up. Totally. I'd be happy to do that. I love my (laughs) husband. I love my husband. He's so great. We met doing dinner theater. So at the time, both of us were acting and I was doing musical theater and he was doing film acting and film editing. And we met in Vancouver doing a show called Tony and Tina's Wedding, which is like dinner theater where, where you as the audience are the guests at the wedding. And so I, I am the only person to have played all 11 female roles in that show because I was a swing and my husband played the videographer and he played a few other roles and he mostly played the drunken priest. That was his, his big thing. So in any case, we're in this show and, you know, we get to talking and, and we discover we live around the corner from each other. So then we're like, oh, okay. So then we start walking home from the show together and we start talking and we realize we have a lot in common and we like books. And so then we start walking on the seawall together Seawall is great for walking and talking. And we continued to do that and still do that to this day and talked about everything. And then, then I mentioned his name to my mother and she said, oh, Lazarus. She's like, oh, does he have an, an uncle named Tom? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'll find out. So I ask him and he asks back in his family and they're like, oh yeah, that's his great uncle. His great uncle is my mother's godfather, (laughs) right? Because both of our families are from this tiny town in Alberta called Smoky Lake. My mother's family is from there and his father's family is from there. 
And so we used to joke that if we'd never left Smoky Lake, we probably would still be together because of the connections. And we had to check we weren't related and we are not related. So <laughs> that's good. But he was so familiar and wonderful and, and felt very safe. So we start dating and we didn't tell anybody that we were dating. I, I think we were engaged before I met his parents. And I think maybe before he met mine, or at least very close to it. Because my whole life I had kind of jumped into relationships and had told the whole world about them. And I just didn't want to this time. I wanted to do it differently. So we took it very slow. And there was sort of some stops and starts and, you know, different kinds of things. And one of the conversations that we had at the very beginning is what are your deal breakers? Right. Because that's a super important conversation to have with people. Had that conversation with the hubs as well. Like, right. What are your deal breakers? What are the, what are, what are the grounds for divorce here? Yeah. Right. All the values and stuff like that. So for me, it was, you know, abuse, addiction what else was there? Abuse addiction. And then we got to adultery and I was like, eh, but not for adultery, like not for like infidelity, like don't lie to me. That is a massive deal breaker for me. You lie to me. You're dead to me. Do not lie to me. So radical honesty has always been a big part of our relationship. And we also had lots of conversations around things like, what do you do with flirting? What do you do with crushes on other people? Because we are human. We are going to love and like and enjoy other people. That's just a fact. And so we're like, okay, well, what are we going to do with that? And it's sort of like the celebrity hall pass, right? I said to my husband, I'm like, if you're in a room with Scarlett Johansson and she wants to go to bed with you, you should go. (laughs) Just don't even call me. You can tell me later. Like, it's fine. And so we laugh about that, which anyway, there's a whole sidebar around, you know, poor Scarlett. She shouldn't be objectified like that. However, as an example, that's the idea. So if there's someone that you're super attracted to, and you feel that it's the right thing for you, then you should. Because for me, loving someone doesn't mean owning them. And love is wanting the highest and best for your love. You're extending yourself to them in a growth journey. And relationship is how we grow. And so if you are not out there, you know, it's it's hard. You grow like in your monogamous relationship and your long-term relationships, you grow in a certain way. And in your shorter term relationships, you grow in a certain way. And in your friendships, you grow in a certain way. So I just didn't feel, and he had not had any, any relationships before me that were really serious. So I was like, look, if you have the opportunity to be with somebody else, I think it wouldn't be fair for me to say no, just because we're married. And so we kind of had laid some of that groundwork, like all the way along. And then there was, <laughs> this is so, this is like 20 years ago now, I had a significant birthday and at that birthday party, he and I had already been dating for a little while. So he was there. And then there was this other guy who I'd known from university, who I had a crush on, you know, sort of, we were flirting. There was some, you know, there was some energy there. Mm-hmm. He had a girlfriend, but then he didn't have a girlfriend. They had been on a break. And so I had this huge party for this big birthday. And everybody was really dressed to impress. And, and he showed up, he showed up after his show that night and he was dressed, you know, in, in his, in a tuxedo from the show, I guess it was a formal thing they were doing anyway, whatever shows up. And he, it was just like the energy between us really intense. So at the end of the night, my husband and this guy are sitting on opposite couches in my living room. Everybody else is gone and they're like waiting each other out. (laughs) Who's going to be the last man standing? So I sit down beside my husband because we'd already been dating a bit. And I I just, he felt safe, right? This other man did not feel safe. He felt exciting and energizing, but it's just like, didn't feel safe. And because I didn't know then what I know now, I thought, well, I have to choose one, right? Because I didn't know there was an option to do anything different. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I have this, I have different skills now. Mm-hmm. To, for management of different relationships. So that that's, I didn't know if 
I did, you know, I did the best I could with the information I had. Excuse me. So anyway, I sit with David, this guy leaves and I meet him. I don't know, I guess a week or two later and we go for, go for drinks. And I said, you know what, here's, okay, here's my choice. Right. But he didn't say anything. Like he told me years later that he was quite interested, but he didn't say, look, you know what? I, I want my shot. He goes, I know you like this guy, but I want my shot because I also am really interested in you. But he's like, I want to, res- I want to respect your choice. So he just kind of backs off, right? That's mm-hmm. sort of his MO. Anyway, so, so that's fine. So we go on and we, you know, sporadically kind of stay connected with each other a little bit here and there throughout the years. And I always thought, you know, if I ever have a chance to hit that, I'm gonna, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but it was just like, oh man. I, you know, it was I, one of your like, if only I had moments. If only I had done, if only I had had the relationship with this person, there's some unfinished business there's some, something that's unfinished. And I know now that that kind of attraction is usually related to childhood wounding. You know, someone that you're super hot for is going to hit you exactly in the place that hurts. And if you're lucky, and if that person understands that kind of thing as well, you have a chance to really heal some deep shit in relationship. Mm -hmm. So I know that now in any case, things go on, la la la, he's married, I'm married, la la la. And in 2016, it's like, Hey, it's been a couple of years. You want to go for drinks? So we go for drinks and it turns into this, this five hour dinner. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Like, uh oh. So, so we're flirty, very flirty. And I go home and I tell David everything, talk to him about it. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm really enjoying this flirting thing. You know, are you okay with that? How do we feel about this? And he's like, yeah, that's okay. It's totally fine. And so it progresses and progresses. And finally, and on New Year's Eve of 2017, we're playing a game, David and I are at home and we're playing a game called Big Talk, which is a fantastic card game that has interesting questions. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, what have you always wanted to ask me, but never have? And so that's how we opened the conversation around, if you could, would you? And it's like, yeah, I think I would. And so that's when, that's when we started to learn that there were other ways to be in relationship in a marriage. And so there was this opportunity and this fellow was there. And I said, look, I, I'd like to pursue this can we do this? How do you feel? Because of course I respect my husband deeply and love him. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know, it could, it could be a little messy. He's like, yeah, but we communicate really well. He said, I think let's go for it. And I'm like, okay, I don't recommend that approach. (laughs) People that are like, our marriage is good. Let's go. Because it was rocky. Ugh. Like the first few months into that summer, rocky, rocky, because we were navigating Like, do I need permission to do this? How much detail do you want to know about my other partner? How do you feel? Do you feel threatened? Do you feel like all of the conversations so rocky? And in the summer, we hit a really low point where I was like, look, I am definitely polyamorous. That is a hundred percent true for me. I can love different people on a very deep level. It's true for me. And I just think that if you, my husband, if you are monogamous, this is not going, we have to negotiate this. There are couples that are, have one partner who's monogamous and one partner who's poly and it works and it can work. But in this case, that's a pretty fundamental renegotiation of a marriage agreement. Like, and he and I have, we always renegotiate our marriage agreement. Like every, you know, right. State of the relationship conversation. Hey, how's this marriage working for you? How's this marriage working for you? Well, here's what's working for me. Here's what's working for me. We're like, okay, what's the rating on the marriage? It's like, "Mm, it's at that time. It's like, "Mm, it's 85% really awesome. And 15% like, meh, it could use some work, right? Yeah. So, so we had already had that foundation. 
And so we hit rock bottom. I'm ugly crying on the couch, snot pouring down my face. Like I'm so, so in so much pain because I'm like, oh my God, am I going to have to leave because of this deal breaker? Is it a deal breaker? And oh, my husband, he's sitting at the other end of the couch and I'm ugly crying. He listens. And then he looks at me. He's like, oh, he goes, I thought maybe you misunderstood me. And I was like, what? And he said, I'm polyamorous too. I really feel that strongly. And I'm like, (laughs) and I was so relieved, like so relieved to hear him say that. And then from that point, then we were able to rebuild and start having conversations. And the whole experience has forced my husband and I to have very serious, granular conversations about what does fidelity mean? What does loyalty mean? What does love mean? What does lust mean? What does it mean to be nesting with someone, living with someone, being entangled in your life with someone? What does it mean? Like, what do all these things mean? And and what we figured out, which many people have figured out before us, this is not new, Mm -hmm. is that you can be a great nesting partner for someone. You can be a great life partner for someone. You can be a great sexual partner for someone. You can be a great romantic partner for someone. And there's all those different variances. And marriages have different combinations of those things. Sometimes one person checks all those boxes. That's right. It's sometimes not. not, Right. It's rare that one person would check all those boxes and people have different tolerances for variants, right? Some people really want everything to be with one person and sometimes they get it and they're super lucky. That's great. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't always work like that. And it's not like, it's not like we're, we're polyamorous because our partner's not meeting our needs. That's not it at all. It's a little bit like, well, I just don't want to eat steak the rest of my life. I also want some shrimp. And sometimes I want some pad thai. And sometimes I want some, you know, like kanji. Like I just, you know, or sometimes I want like some curry. (laughs) I want all the different things. And it's very experiential, but it's really strengthened our bond as husband and wife because we did the heavy lifting and had all the heavy conversations. And we also got therapy. So rewind, relationships going, gets rocky, starts to get better. And then it's difficult because my outside partner, my boyfriend at the time was practicing non-consensual, non-monogamy. So his wife to this day does not know. And I hope she never finds out honestly, because he made a choice, don't have a relationship with her. So I was like, okay, I don't have a relationship with her. It's not my place to say anything to her. Even though my instinct is like, Hey, can we go for coffee? And here's the situation. And are, you know, I want you to be in the loop. And how do you feel about that? And then, then it's consent from everybody in the picture, which I think is the, the clearest way. It's essential. And at the time it was like my husband and my boyfriend and I were like, nobody's getting away clean on this. This is not okay. This is not okay. And so ethically, it's not okay. In, in integrity, it's not okay. And it's, she is an unwilling participant. She is. Yes. She is an unknowing And so, so doing everything to sort of protect her health, for example. So it's like, there's no fluid bonding. There's no, or there's like, there's just things in there that are like, how can we protect, how can we protect her? Right. How can I think about ways to be protective? Because his, his feeling was he was being protective of her, which is super misogynistic really. And I told him that I'm like, dude, by shielding her from the truth. Yeah. You're taking away her agency. That's super misogynistic. That's really not cool. 
And so we had long conversations about it and I fought him hard on it. I was like, dude, 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 you have to do something. You either have to talk to her about it, or you have to at least tell somebody in your life that I exist because we're four years into this now. And if something happens to you, I won't know because nobody in your world knows I exist. Whereas everybody in my world knows you exist. They know who you are. They've met you. Like they know who you are. And so it was really so hard. Like it was a really tough struggle. And there's no excuse for that. The the only thing I can say is that I love him and I still love him and I will always love him. And he and I have a really great relationship on lots of levels, except for this one thing, right? He lies in this way. And that's really hard for me. So finally going along. So Rocky, it's interesting because you said, you know, lying is a deal breaker for you. Yeah. But, but he's it's not, not just, but me. it's not just about lying to you. He's lying to somebody else, yeah, but that I is know. still, still a, a deal breaker for you. It's still a thing. It's yeah. still a thing. Cause you, cause how do I trust you then? Right. How do I really deeply trust you? Yeah. Cause even though you're not lying to me about this, that's right. What could you be lying to me about what that? I don't lie to me about that's right. Yeah. And I, I said to him, I'm like, look, I want you to tell me the truth always. And I will make it my job to make telling me the truth as safe as possible has to be mm-hmm. safe for you to tell me the truth. And I think maybe he felt unsafe. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on his motives. His motives are his, but sometimes it's not safe to tell the truth to somebody or it's too dangerous. You know, it's dangerous, right? You could mm-hmm. lose a lot by telling the truth to somebody if, you know, so you have to decide, right? So one of the things that I think about is you choose the pain of honesty or the pain of a lie because they're both painful. And he, he does did struggle with, he did struggle with that. He did struggle with it. It was really hard because he's like, I'm the bad guy. And I'm like, I'm the bad guy. We're all the bad guy in this dude. Like, and in, in someone's story in life, you're going to be the bad guy. Yeah. We are always the villain in someone's yep, in story. Someone's story. That's right. So COVID hits. Thank goodness. Because then we can't see each other. He's not in your bubble. Not in my bubble. And I'm like, ah, thank God. Because honestly, it would have taken a crowbar for me to get away from this dude. Like, I love him, right? There's just no, and the attraction is really intense and the relationship is super intense. And given a choice, I would never leave him. I just would never mm-hmm. leave him. That's it. And vice versa. So, so for me, it was just this, I used COVID as a wedge and then just was like, that's it. It's, you know, it's over. And I was researching like three in the morning. I literally like woke up one morning and I was like, how do I get out of this? This is all. And I was like, how do I get it on a fair? Because on his side, it's an affair. On my side, it's, it's a relationship, relationship, right? Because it's, cl- it's clear on my side. But I'm like, it has characteristics of this. So I researched it. I come across this lady in the States. I wish I could remember her name. Anyway, she had this like online course you could get. that was like five modules on how to exit an affair. So I buy the course five and, and from three in the morning till six that morning, I, I binge the whole course. I write the whole thing out. I do the whole thing. And then I send him a voice memo with a transcript on like, it was 11 minutes. It was all the reasons why I had to not talk to him anymore. Of course, he replies with some hurt things, of, of course, because mm-hmm. you don't just break off a four-year relationship. But I couldn't, I couldn't see any other way to do it. Because if I see him, I want to be with him. I just couldn't think of any other way to do it. So then there was another little exchange. And then I was like, okay, that's it. And then, of course, you know, we kept talking over email through COVID. And then I wrote a book <laughs> about it. I was at a writer's retreat. And I wanted to write a business book for my work. And this, the poetry that I had written him over the course of four years was sort of sitting in my brain. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, 
I, I guess I need to write this book. And so I remember being on Salt Spring Island at, at my friend's place, the retreat place. And he texted me. He's like, oh, I said, I'm in a writer's retreat. He's like, oh, what are you writing? I said, I'm writing a book about us, actually. And he was like, what? Because, of course, there's it's dangerous for him yeah. for exposure. So then that started a conversation around his exposure. Because I said, I said to him right from the start, I'm like, I'm not going to lie about you. I'm not going to lie to you. And I won't lie for you. If your wife shows up on my doorstep and wants to know, I will tell her because I'm not doing any of those things. I am not going to do that. But I will preserve your anonymity because that's your choice. I respect you. I will preserve your anonymity. And I was going to write under a pseudonym. And then when I got the proofs back from the publisher and I flipped the page and the pseudonym was there, I'm like, but that's not my name. That's not me. That's not me. So then when I told him I was publishing under my own name, we sat down and went through the, the manuscript as really closely and pulled out any details that he thought would be too identifying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I agreed to those changes and some things I couldn't pull out, but something, a lot of things I could pull out that were too identifying and I published it. And then he, he saw it. He saw the copy we met. I showed him the physical copy of the book. And then we didn't talk for a year because the email kept going. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to be your secret email crush. I'm not going to talk to you on the secret email. If you want to talk to me, you can text me, you can phone me can see me openly, but I'm not doing the secret shit anymore. And so we didn't talk, didn't email nothing for a whole year. And then a year later I texted, I was like, it's been a year. Want to have coffee. And my husband, now I owe my husband 20 bucks. Cause he laughed his ass off. He's like, I'm going to bet you 20 bucks that you'll be the first to text. And of course he <laughs> so he laughed. Uh, and, and so now the relationship that he and I have is very sporadic. So once in a while, I'll text, he'll text. If I hear sort of something has gone really big for him, I'll text or he'll text me. And it's extremely sporadic, but it is, it does still exist. And it's not, it's not going anywhere, but I definitely am not getting back into the relationship chunk because it's too stressful. It's not ethical. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. So, yeah. So, so, but it was nice because here's the product. Love is not pie. Yeah. Okay. Unpack, unpack that title for me. Yeah. Love is not pie. And the subtitle is variations on a monogamish theme. Dan Savage, right? Monogamish. He wrote that. <laughs> love is not pie. So, so love is infinite, right? If I give you some love, mm-hmm. I still have love to give my husband. I still have love to give my friends. I still have love to give my clients. I still have love to give my barista in the morning when they make a beautiful coffee. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing, right? Love is not pie. It is infinite. Time is pie. So if I give you this time, I can't give this time to somebody else. Time is pie. So sometimes there's a joke in the polyamorous community that says polyamory, you, should, you shouldn't be coming out as polyamorous. You should be penciling in as polyamorous because of the scheduling. <laughs> the scheduling, the scheduling yeah. is a thing. That I could, I could see how the schedule could be the most challenging part of, a, yeah. of an open relationship in polyamorous because everyone needs to figure out when's their turn. That's right. And it's, and it is, it is important. So there's a scheduling piece. And so what happened after the aftermath of all that, David and I decided to, to be monogamous, like, cause you can be polyamorous and be functionally monogamous for a while and you mm-hmm. have partners and you don't have partners. And so things change. Right. So we decided, you know what, after this experience, we need some education. We need to get some therapy. So we went to, cause it uncovered some other stuff in our marriage that we needed to work on. Mm-hmm. So we found ourselves a really great therapist of, who's poly is polyamorous in that community, also kink friendly, very helpful. And he really helped us see the way to things. And when I shared with him about my boyfriend and the nature of the relationship, he's like, oh, he was a primary partner 
And I was like, what? And he goes, well, with the frequency of contact and the depth of that relationship, he goes, that's a primary partnership. So it was really interesting to me to go, oh, I could have two primary partners. My husband is a primary partner and this other person is a primary partner. And I think it depends on the kind of polyamory you practice. There are many different ways to practice polyamory. Like, I think you are polyamorous as an orient, like that's who you are. It's like being bisexual. It's who I am. It's, or it's an, it's who I am, but the practice of that is different. And if you're not practicing actively, if you're not living actively, it doesn't make you any less polyamorous, Mm -hmm. right? It is, it is who you are. This is the season that I am not actually, I'm in a monogamous season. That's right. Or it's like, it's like being, being heterosexual and being single. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm single. doesn't make me less heterosexual, right? I'm single. It doesn't make me less monogamous, but I think the thing that people don't see is that it's still a choice. Our society is incredibly mononormative, right? Patriarchy, marriage as a, a property, you know, a wealth building strategy as an alliance strategy, marriage as a construct is is not is an old construct. It's a useful construct because you get tax advantages, there's couple privilege, there's a whole bunch of shit that goes along with marriage that is useful. However, relationship is not the same thing as marriage, right? It's a kind of relationship structure, but it's not the only kind of relationship structure. And not everybody is wants to do that. Like but it, but I mean, wouldn't you want to be I heard I was following some great poly creators on TikTok And one of the women said the other day, I think it was, what did she say? She said, wouldn't you want your partner to be with you because they choose you every day and not because they just thought they had no other options, right? So if you're just following a construct, you're just on the relationship escalator. How do you know? You're staying because you're supposed to stay. You're staying because you're supposed to stay or you're staying because that's the only thing that you could think of or because you don't know how to handle the emotional dynamic or the mental dynamic or the, the processing dynamic of being in relationship with multiple people, you know, it's, it's just, it's skill set. Definitely. It's a skill set. So therapy was really helpful for my husband and I, and even writing the book uncovered some really important things about our marriage. Like my husband said, he was really vulnerable with me after reading, after I read him the first draft. And he revealed to me that he had always had a really deep sense of fear that the relationship could go away in an instant. And I was like, are you are you kidding me? Like what? And he, he, so when he shared this with me, I was like, thank you for telling me that. And what do we need to do now to brick up that trap door so that it does not exist for you? You cannot live like this. Yeah. Right. You cannot live like this. That's not okay. And I wish you had had the courage to tell me that like before today, yesterday, the day before, like a thousand years ago, yeah. Uh, but he told me, and now, now our relationship again is significantly more solid. And we've, we've gone to this really deep bonded place that we never would have gotten to if we hadn't had this experience. And so therapy was great. And our therapist said, what you want to do is he said, here's some reading, gave us all the books, polysecure, ethical slut off the relationship escalator, more than two. Well, more than two is a little bit problematic. So I caution people around that one, but there's lots of resources. He goes, do the reading. We did the discussing, did all the things. And he said, when you're dating, he goes, just go make some friends. So we got involved with a couple of poly communities here. And, you know, I went to a couple picnics and like met some people. And he said, then you start dating as a couple. So there's other poly couples. So you're going out and getting to know people Mm -hmm. as couples. 
And then he said, then you start dating separately. And he said, and when you start dating separately, be aware that the, that I, Catherine was going to get more attention and have more opportunity than David would have, because it's quite an imbalance in dating when in open relationships, it's just a thing. It's a thing. It's harder for the guys to find relationships than it is for the women to find relationships. I don't know if that's a continuous pattern for everybody, but according to my therapist, it's a thing. So we were well prepared for then extending into dating life. And so we were on the apps and we dated and my husband had some dates and I had some dates and I had another relationship with somebody for about a year and renewed a relationship with a a longtime person in San Francisco, a woman that I had had a relationship with prior to my marriage. And so, you know, they escalate, they deescalate. So my relationship with my lover, local lover, he moved. And so it was a natural sort of deescalation. And he said, you know, he said, I want to find a nesting partner. And I'm not even sure that partner has to be poly because it could be monogamous. So he said, I'd rather be clean, like have a clear slate (laughs) to see that person. He said, I feel like this entanglement might be getting in the way because I might want to be with somebody who wants to be monogamous. I'm like, okay. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Bye. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's not that it's not, it's not that it's it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's not that it's not painful, but he, he is also still a really lovely person. And we had a really lovely relationship and not every relationship is a novel. No. Well, even, even in the monogamous world, not all relationships are, you know, happy endings and, you know, beautiful and, and, Mm -hmm. and yeah. So yeah, all the relationship problems that straight people have, gay people have, that monogamous people have, poly people have, like Mm -hmm. the relationship problems are always going to be present in no matter what kind of relationship you sign up for. Exactly. Exactly. And so you just have to hope that you're with people or engineer your dating profile so that you're with people who understand that. And Mm -hmm. it's a great learning experience because there were definitely people that I went on dates with that really wanted to be super sexual right away. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not me. Like I like sex. Don't get me wrong. I love it. However, I also like to know the people that I'm doing that with on Mm -hmm. a, on a deeper level. To be fair, I've never really, I've never tried it. I've never tried jumping into bed with somebody I don't know that well. Maybe it would be fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's not. It's just not something like when I think about developing a relationship. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Maybe I would love it. But it, but at the moment when that was happening, I'm like, whoa, whoa, I do not want your explicit pictures. Please do not send those to me. Yeah. Don't want it. Like, can we have a conversation? You know, maybe you want to have dinner. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's apparently a thing, you know, out there. And I, I don't know why. So I love, and no shade. I love hearing, sorry. I just want to say no shade. There are people that I really admire that, that are just getting it on the regular. And I'm like, good for you, like, good, you go. And it does sound like fun. <laughs> I'm like, huh. It's, just, it's just, again, like in the way that you said my life in this aspect is out of your frame of reference. That aspect is out of my frame of reference. Yeah. It's different. That's okay. Anyway, yeah, I just um, want to say no shade. No shade. All no shade. Choices all, all are good. Valid. It's all good. Yes. Whatever, you, whatever you're choosing. Yeah. So I love this story. <laughs> and, I love it too. <laughs> and, and, and clearly you do because you wrote a whole book about it, which I I'm actually, I'm very intrigued to read. So I do want to read this, your book because I, I love that concept that time is pie. Yeah. But love is not pie. And, and that's just even cross that can cross 
different kinds of relationships too. You know, Hmm. me as somebody who is in a monogamous relationship with my husband, but my Hmm. time is still split with my girlfriends, with my family, with my business, with my career. Mm -hmm. So yeah, your time is the thing that you're sharing amongst different categories of people and, and opportunities. So, yeah. So I think it's, you know, whether somebody's poly or not, I think this book could be very helpful as they manage their time and their relationship and their love for, and passions for things. Mm-hmm. So let's rewind. Let's, let's talk about a little bit about your husband, David. <laughs> Everybody so, always wants, he loves that. Everybody who reads the book is like, oh my God, David. And I'm like, I know. And he is, he's super, he loves that. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) he is, yeah, he is clearly a very main character in this story who I want to, I want to get to know a little bit more. So while you were in this four year long relationship with, you know, Mr. We won't call his name out. We call him no um, name. Just Mr. No name. Because David almost dropped his name in a conversation. And I'm like, okay, he, so, because I had another boyfriend, it got very confusing. I'm like, Let's just call him no name. And he's like, oh no. So he's no name. That's no name. Mr. No name. Mr. Um, who was your husband in a relationship with anybody at the time? He was not. He okay. was interested. He really felt that he had a lot of his own personal work to do. So mm-hmm. he's also just recently made a big career transition into film editing from the corporate world. And so he was really focused on his own inner work. He was focused on this transition. He's focused on his passion, which of course is movies. And he just didn't, he's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't got time for dating. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right. Totally. Yeah. He's like, I'm not ready. And then, so it wasn't until in therapy, we started talking about dating because mm-hmm. uh, it's also a big confidence piece. Like, I don't know that I would have started this relationship outside of my marriage. I don't know that I would just go date to do that at that time. It was because the opportunity existed that we went forward into functional polyamory and have stayed there because we like it and it works for us and it it is who we are. But I don't know that because the opportunity presented itself to you versus you going out to find it. Yes, that's right. I I think the courage to just say, I'm going to go out and date is like, (laughs) no, thank you. No matter what stage of life, the courage to go out there and date is like, I know. Yeah. And I like people. I like meeting people. I enjoy my dates when I go on dates, mostly. And and David is an introvert, mm. introvert. So he likes to be quiet and at home. And he hasn't. He's working on finding his people. Like my my community is. I have an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial community, people that I love. I have a musical community, a theatrical community. I've got a writing community now, because of all these other things. And and David's still working on finding his film community, his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that as he moves more into this career and he's already having great success and he's really enjoying it and enjoying the people he meets, I'm pretty sure there's going to be an opportunity more than one for him to be having a relationship outside. So he did, he did date a little bit and I dated a little bit mm-hmm. as well, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think he, he just wasn't ready. He's like, I don't want to do that. And so actually both of us right now have deleted our apps because I'm like, I don't have time for this. I have to re I'm rebuilding my practice right now and my work. And, you know, there's things, there's things, right. Yeah. So it's time. It's like, what am I going to spend my time on right now? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So here's, here's a question. Sure. I'm sure that the listeners are curious about, cause I am. So normally what I'm curious about, they're also curious about mm-hmm. how did your families respond <laughs> to your 
decision to open up your marriage and his, come out as polyamorous. Okay. His family doesn't know. Okay. <laughs> so, I, and they're not likely to be in the podcast world. So that's fine. Cause I, we had that conversation. Cause I'm like, well, I'm writing a book, honey, mm-hmm. we're going to be out. And he's like, okay. He goes, I don't want to have conversations with my family about this though. It's none of their business. I don't really want to talk about it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I told my mother, as soon as I finished the first draft, I was coming back from the retreat. I met her for dinner on Vancouver Island. And I said, okay, here it is. Just so you know, this is all the things that are happening. I'm writing a book. It's going to be in the public eye. I want you to be informed. So you're not blindsided. Here it is. And I said, congratulations. You gave birth to a weirdo. And she's like, you're not a weirdo. You're just Catherine. Best response ever. I know, right? I know. Sometimes my mom is a little bit of a genius like that. Sometimes it's terrible, but sometimes she can be like, you know. Right on the nail head. Right on the, yeah, just hit it right on the head. So I don't know what my other immediate family members think because I don't, I haven't talked to them about it and they don't talk to me about it. So it's, it's kind of like a, they are definitely, I think, well, I can't make, I don't know. I don't know how they have reacted because I don't know. My so, cousin, my cousin know, like my cousin knows, and she's like, she's fine. She's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. And every friend I've talked to about it, they're like, I said, you know, I have to tell you, I'm polyamorous and bisexual. They're like, duh. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. Um, tracks. So, so yeah, I don't know. When so during your four year relationship with Mister No Name, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that you know there were. The boundaries were you and David do family functions, family dinners, whatever, Mr. Yes. No Name, yep. not in the picture. No. Did did the three of you ever do things socially together where you both were they were both with you? Yeah, we did. So so we would we would hang out. Like he would he would come over and we would hang out and have drinks and watch watch movies and have conversations. He met my other friends. So like there were situations where my best friend from Prince George would come and and he would meet them. He met my other very dear friend here in Vancouver. So yeah, so we would do things socially. And there were some occasions where we were at the same place at the same time, but not, you know, not interacting because it was more his world. There were occasions where I was in his world, but with David or with other people. And so it was just acknowledged that there was no, there was a lot. Yeah. There was some boundaries. To protect, yeah. He really, protect the wife to protect her, to protect him from exposure and that's, he wanted it that way. And it's hard to, it's hard to fault somebody. It's like, I, I wouldn't make that choice, but I love you and it's your choice. And so mm-hmm. I will do my best to respect your choices, even um, though I don't really respect this particular choice, but that's yeah. you, right? Is it one of the agreements with you and David that they, that, you know, you both get to meet the other person? Yeah, we usually do. So it's, but I mean, you might go on like a few dates with somebody before you decide that that's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And then we, then, yeah, we would meet the other person. Um, he's met, and actually it's quite funny because my other local lover, because it was open, he was at social situations with both of us. So when I did the launch for my second book, my lover and David were in the back row, hanging out, talking, having a conversation. I introduced, I introduced my lover as my lover to the people that were, you know, that I was meeting. It's like, oh, this is so-and-so and he's my lover and this is so-and-so and he's my husband. And so it was very open. And I, I really enjoyed the openness of that to be able mm-hmm. to say this person means something important to me. Yeah. Right. This person means something to me. And I think that was probably the hardest thing about Mr. No Name. Is that you couldn't be do that. unacknowledged to be a really important person to someone 
and to be unacknowledged. And I know that there are people in the world that would be like, well, then how important are you really? And I'm like, mm, mm, mm. gray, very gray, very gray, right? Yeah, very gray. And it's like, yeah, I think pretty important. I know that still to this day, if I text no name and I say, hey, are you free for coffee? He's like, I'm not, but I'll be right there. Like he wants to see me and I want to see him because there is still a deep emotional bond there. And it doesn't, it's not like he said, he said to me late in the relationship when, you know, we were talking through all the book stuff. He said, I said, what do you want? Like, really, what do you want? And he said, I don't think I, he said, I don't think I would be happy in a relationship with someone who's polyamorous. And I'm like, I don't know, you've just done it for the last four years, but okay. (laughs) Right. You're living it. You're living what polyamory is like, sort of like you love me and you're with me and you love your wife and you're with her. And she's a cool person. Like, like there's a lot there. Right. So I'm like, you're living it, but this is what he told me. And then recently he's like, he's like, I'm not sure that that's true. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's true for you. You have to decide. But he really, I think would like to be monogamous. He had said at the time that he would like to be monogamous with somebody that he connected with a little more fully. Right. Because you know the you know the triangle theory of relationship, like the three points of the triangle, right? But for those who are listening, let's let's break it down for them. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So so relation. There's a theory of relationship that a relationship needs to have three things in it, or there's three things you can have. You can have intimacy, like sexual, physical chemistry, intimacy. You can have commitment, like a marriage commitment or any other kind of commitment, and you can have intimacy, commitment, and I think the other piece is related to communication. What did they call it? Oh, I'm having a brain fart. Perimenopause, man. Menopause. It's like a brain fart thing. And, and the idea is if you have two of those three, you, that you've got a good chance of sticking it out. Mm-hmm. So for example, I would say David and I have, in, we have commitment and this communication piece. Like there's an emotional, big, strong, our intimacy is a thing that we continue to work on and we still really enjoy each other, but we, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like, our, our, our intimacy, I say, is like a nice, slow burn. Like it's a slow fire, right? It's warm. It's cozy. It's a really it's a, nice it's a, warm. It's simmering. Simmering. Yeah, it's really nice. It's not like fireworks, right? Yeah. And it's never been that. It's always just been this nice sort of place. And so my other friend, she she and her husband have passion. That's what it is. Intimacy. Oh, intimacy is the is the emotional intimacy. Passion is the physical chemistry and the commitment. That's what it is. Intimacy, passion, and commitment. She and her husband have passion and commitment, but their intimacy, they continue to work on. Their communication is not always very strong, mm-hmm. right? So so in those things, I think you have to choose, like if you got two out of three, that ain't bad. If you get three out of three, great. If you want to work on that piece, great. Um, but why was I telling you all the triangle relationship pieces? Because... Mr. No Name. Oh, No Name. Yeah, but why No Name? Because he was deciding. <laughs> he was trying to decide what he wanted. Oh yes, he's trying to decide what he wanted. And and I was talking to him about that, and it's like, like, what do you want? And I think he had said that he wanted this more. Uh, he wanted more passion, a more co- a different connection on the passion side, right? Was part of it. And there's a whole, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things. But he, you know, he's not clear. I'm clear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe he's getting clearer. Who knows? I don't know what will happen. I and that's, don't think that's he's going anywhere anytime soon. Unlike any other relationship out there, if there totally. is one partner who is clear on what they want and the other partner is unclear, 
there's yeah. going to be some conflict and some troubles because you're like, yeah. I want a family. I don't know if I want a family. Right. Okay. Well, well, here's a problem. Right. Or like, I, I definitely yeah. do not want to have children. That's right. Oh, or, I don't, I don't know if that's good. If I don't, if I do, or that's going to be a problem. You got to figure that out. That's right. It's like any other relationship. And it's also the thing too, like Esther Perel has great stuff on relationship and infidelity and things like that. And she, she talks about that thing about people that have affairs, they can be in a happy marriage or a contented marriage and still have an affair because they're looking, she argues that you're not looking for someone else. You're looking for a different version of you Hmm. and that the other person brings out this different version of you. And I agree that in my various relationships, I get to experience different things, different sides of myself in relationship. And that's really instructive and fun and deeply enjoyable to be different. Yeah. Like I'm still the same person, obviously. Right. And if all my partners got together, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's how she is. <laughs> be really clear. Be really clear. Swap notes, check. Yeah. You know, same. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's the searching for the self that causes people to want to step out. And I think people step out because they don't know there's another option, right? Like I'm not, I'm not a fan of cheating. I get why people do it. I'm not a fan of it because of the lying thing, but that's for me, right? Everybody has their own gauges on that. Somewhat there, there, there's a sliding scale on that. For everyone, right? For everyone. Yeah. And everyone's different. And some people would be really hard and fast about it. I would not, I would definitely not ever, ever get into a don't ask, don't tell situation now. Never. I would never date somebody who was not talking to their partner. I would never date somebody who was don't ask, don't tell. I just wouldn't do it. Would not do it because I'm like, nope, nope. I get to meet your, I want to meet my meta, right? I want to meet the person who's on the other end of this hinge because then I know they exist. I know they're consenting. And then we have this other relationship outside of it. Yeah. And it, right. it, bal- it helps balance things. Yeah. And it's, then it's clear. Yeah. And it's consensual. Everybody is on the same page and that. you, you need to sometimes talk with your meta partners about relationships, like just, just to be in, be in connection with them. Right. I know. So David and no name would sometimes one time I was teasing no name. I was teasing him pretty hard. And he texted David and he's like, how do you tolerate this? <laughs> Why is she being Why so- is she being like this? And yeah. David sent him back a gif of Huey Lewis in the news singing the power of love. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Oh yeah. my gosh, Catherine, I have loved this conversation. So thank you so much for coming today and opening it opening up your open marriage to all of us so that people can learn about how someone else is living and seeing that it is perfectly wonderful and happy. And it may be different, but different's okay. Different is okay. Yeah. I love that. So if where, where do you like to hang out? What's, where can people find you? Well, the place to find me is for my writing stuff. I'm just, just dipping my toe into, I'm thinking about TikTok as my purely artistic space. So I think that would be the place to find me, but you can find me on my name. I'm easy to find on the internet, Catherine Lazarick. If you'd like to find out about my writing, catherinelazarick.com is my website for that. And Mm -hmm. that's where you can find my book. Love and my second book. So if you're interested in reading the story, and also if you like audiobooks, I narrated the audiobook as well. 
Oh, okay. With Paul Tedeschini is a great producer on Vancouver Island. And he actually made it like an audio experience. So for example, there's a scene where we're in the cafe having the five hour dinner and you can hear the bikes ride by and you can hear people talking. And yeah. So if you like that kind of experience and there's some sexy poems in the book and there's some like sexy, there's some sexy sounds in the book as well. And David, when he first heard the audio book, he's like, damn, he goes, you could have warned me. Love it. All right. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much, Catherine, again, for joining. So listeners, if this episode inspired you, resonated with you, opened up your eyes and your ears, and you liked it, give it a like, a love, a share, leave a comment. Or if you know somebody who may be experiencing something similar or is unclear as to what path they want to be taking, and you think that this episode could help them figure out some of their own relationship stuff, Please, please, please share it with them because it may help them figure out their very own. Now what? All right. That is it for us this week. We will see you again next week for another episode of I Just Blank. Now what? Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer. Now what? See you on the next episode.